Engage for Success Radio, raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. Well, hello, everybody. Um, we're here now for show number 308 from Engage for Success. I'm host for today's show, uh, Joe Moffat, one of the co-hosts of our uh, radio podcast. We've been broadcasting now for over six years, nearly seven, in fact. Um, and today we're going to be looking, um, with the help of two guests from the U.S., we're going to be looking at leadership blind spots and the extent to which those can impact on the engagement of our people. Uh, so we're going to be looking a little bit more detail about five leadership blind spots uh, that really perpetuate issues around disengagement. And to help me with that, um, I'm very pleased to welcome today's guests. Um, as I say, two guests today. We have, we have Jim Howden, who is co-founder and chairman of Root. And we'll find out a little bit more about what that organization does in a moment. And he's joined by Rich, Rich Behrens, who is um, CEO, and then I love this job title, Chief Client Fanatic at Root. Um, and they're joining me today to explore this topic in a little bit more detail. So welcome to the show, guys. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks for having us. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure. So for the next half an hour, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more particularly about these leadership blind spots that, uh, uh, that you talk about. Um, but before we do that, perhaps I could start with you, Jim. Um, could you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and, and, and your professional background? Because I think you were the founder or co-founder of Root and, and continued to um, fulfill a role as chairman. So just tell us a little bit about you and, and your background, if you would. Sure. I, um, thank you, Joe. I, you know, I, <clears throat> I started out actually uh, as a football coach, and then I was in uh, education in the States for, for about eight years and, and mm -hmm. got involved with <clears throat> Root around 1987 when we started. And uh, just a little background on Root, uh, because it is about me uh, since I've been doing it so long, is that, you know, we sort of started in the trend business and tried to help organizations look out the front windshield to see the forces of change so they could ride those waves of change rather than get swamped by them. Mm -hmm. And we would often go off with executives and be the provocateurs of that conversation. And it was very successful, but usually when they brought the solutions back to an organization, they were dead on arrival. So we really changed, and it was a core of what I, I actually also believed in, and that is the success was determined by the learning speed of the brightest few not of the smartest, uh, of the, I'm sorry, it was determined by the learning speed of the slowest many, not the brightest few. And so our goal was and at Root to try to, how do we take and create common languages on the most strategic and complex things in an organization so people mm -hmm. could get off the bench and into their workaday life in a whole different way. And so that's also a lot about me. How do we democratize strategy and content in organizations so people are, are really the participants and the players and bringing it to life and living into those aspirations. Right, lovely. I, I love that quote. I just, uh, if you can hear me clicking on my keyboard, I apologize, but I had to write that one down. Success determined by, by, the, by the slowest many, not the brightest few. That's, um, yeah, that's, that's, that's very, very telling, I think, Jim. So thank you for that. And Rich, uh, Rich Behrens, our, our chief client fanatic. I'm gonna keep saying that through this show because I love it. Uh, tell us a little bit about you. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, would, would love to. So it doesn't go quite as deep, but I've, I've been uh, at Root for over 20 years. But before that, uh, you know, I first tried making a living playing professional tennis, and that didn't work out so well. And, and uh, 
uh, and then I became a banker and, and really was kind of a disillusioned banker, to be honest. Uh, uh-huh. And, uh, and, and uh, there's lots of things I liked about it and there's lots of things I didn't like about it. And for me, it was lacking a little bit of a, of a soul and I, I couldn't fully connect with the business. And in many ways, that, that gave me great motivation to, to find out how, how to be in a place where I could do that. And even more luckily, now I'm at Root, I'm in a place where I, I can help other organizations uh, help, help, help do that. So um, that's a bit about me. Right. Oh, lovely. Okay. Thank you. So I understand um, that uh, Roots as an organisation really is all about trying to help people inside organisations be their be their be their best selves and bring their best selves to work. And I know that you have um, produced a book or you you co-authored a book called Five Leadership Blind Spots that perpetuate disengagement and indifference. Um, and I want to talk about those in a, in a little bit more detail, but. Um, I wonder if I could first of all ask you just to sort of set the scene a little bit in terms of the the workplace, the industrial scape, landscape where we are now. Um, you know that that kind of context against which we need to be thinking about how do we get the very best out of ourselves, and that how do we then get the very best out of our people? Yeah, absolutely, um, Jody. Uh, you know, in in, in many ways, um, you know. He, he, we as human beings, we're sort of we're sort of funny in a way that we have an, an ability to to view things as as normal or or even good or, or practical. Where with the benefit of hindsight, we kind of shake our heads that we ever thought that that was sort of a, a good practice or a good way of of doing things, right? And mm-hmm. and if you just kind of go to to forget business for a second, but if you just kind of go back to us as consumers, you know, it was only 110 years ago or so that you could buy cocaine cough drops for your kids in pharmacies, certainly in the U.S. anyhow, or 50 or 60 yep. years ago, you had dentists and doctors recommending the benefits and, and, and they were standing behind cigarette brands, right? Or yes. only yes. 30 years ago, we were talking about how to have carbonated soft drinks uh, and to, 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 to use those with your toddlers because it would get them to, to drink their milk more when you mixed it together, right? All these things where only even a few decades later, we, we look at them and we kind of go, you've got to be kidding, right? We, we thought those were conventional and good practices or normal ways of doing things. And, um, and, and just as we have sort of evolved as consumers in terms of a more enlightened view uh, and, and, and having blind spots, we sort of see the same with, with, with leadership, right? And so, you know, we, we've worked now with, with leaders for over 20 years, and, and we saw a pattern, right? We saw some of the same kind of, perspectives applied again and again uh, with the best of intentions, but that simply don't lead to effective engagement, right? And so we, mm-hmm. we took a step back and said, what, what are some common traits we see amongst all these leaders on, on this kind of same mistakes that, that they do and uh, how they view leadership, right? And, and the leadership blind spot we define as an area where the existing beliefs and experiences preclude leaders from having the most enlightened view on how to lead people effectively, right? And, 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 and there were five. I mean, we, we sifted through dozens and dozens. And we landed on five. And we said, these, we see these time and time again that, that get in the way. And, and their impact is profound, right? When, when we talk about sort of industrial ways, old age ways of, of thinking and leading, it, it, you know, if, if you look at engagement scores, right, and your, your show is very much focused on, on creating more engaged workforces, it, it, mm. It's amazing how the data really hasn't changed, right? In the last 30 years, you can look at the average engagement scores across organizations, and it's largely flat, right? We've, with traffic deaths, we've made progress. With cancer deaths, we've made progress. You look at 
the level of engagement in organizations and the number of, of actively engaged and different and disengaged people, it really hasn't changed. And in many ways what that, that articulates to us is there's a bit of a crisis of leadership. We can't apply the same leadership beliefs expecting to get different results. And, mm -hmm. and I, I'll hope with the, the five blind spots that we see most often, which are really they're around purpose, around story, around engagement, around trust, and around truth, that by, by having a more enlightened view on those, um, that, that we have a chance to, to be better leaders, to create more engaged workforces, and quite frankly, more productive businesses. Hmm. And Joe, that first blind spot uh, is really around purpose. And Rich mentioned that, but you know, the, we, we sort of state it this way. The blind spot is the prevailing belief of leaders is that purpose matters, but it doesn't drive the numbers. And, and, and you know, there's a lot of research out there that confirms that. So 90% of employees said that their company understood the importance of purpose, but less than 50% said they thought that their company was run in a purpose-driven way. And so it's almost as if there are these two different circles. One circle is all around purpose, and many leaders just feel that's a nice thing to have. It's something that, that we ought to talk about and which we ought to connect people to. And then there's another circle which has to do with, you know, earnings per share success or financial performance or, or growth, and it's disconnected. And so when things get tough, you know, purpose goes on holiday, and all of the <laughs> all the things around operations just gets reinforced and it, it's just, it's wrong headed. You know, it, it, it is really interesting when, from a belief standpoint that leaders still believe that purpose is a nice to have, but it's not a growth strategy. And, and in our experience where organizations are dynamic and grow during upturns and downturns, purpose is a growth strategy at the core of what they do. You know, one, one great example of this is, you know, in the U.S., there's a, a restaurant chain called Popeye's, and it's a chicken, uh, a QSR or quick serve chicken restaurant. And, and it, it was led by a woman named Cheryl Batchteller, and Cheryl not only believed in purpose, she rarely opened a meeting without her senior leaders reminding everyone in attendance what their individual purpose was and then what the organizational purpose was. And and it was tied to most of what they did. And they spent a lot of time helping the individuals in the organizations relate their personal purpose to their daily job or to the daily routine. And just to show you how successful they were in a, in a very, very competitive market, in a short period of time of five years, they took market share from 14 to 24%. Nobody grows market share by 10% in that kind of market. They went mm -hmm. from a market cap of $300 million to over $2 billion, and they had double-digit growth every year when individuals that were in the same space just struggled to get, get low single-digit growth. And so mm -hmm. what they did is just began to put that whole notion that purpose is only for the sunny days, and purpose is just for the feel-good, and purpose is just for those that we want to talk about to round out sort of our, our, some of our, our beliefs discussions. But it wasn't the way we ran the business, and, but that's exactly what they did. They ran it that way, and they thrived by putting purpose at the core. And to, and to be very honest, all of our research tells us that, you know, whether it's, whether it's built to last or whether it's firms of endearment or whether it's recent Harvard Business Re Review articles, you know, we know anywhere from six to ten times better performing are the companies that, that use purpose as a growth strategy and yet we still, uh, as, as organizations around the world, 
see it as a nice to have, not a core core way we operate. And I think the, the, the last thing to say on that is that, you know, when the companies that really do this well, you know, whenever they bring their people together, you know, they tell stories of meaning and the impact they have on those that they're serving rather than stories of money, which is just a measurement tool in terms of how well are, are we successfully delivering on our purpose. So again, this, this is a belief change and a practice change that the very best have accomplished, but most have not. So Jim, I, I totally buy that. I mean, you know, we, we talk, we all talk about purpose a lot, and there's, it, it's, it's something that, that is very much on the agenda. And actually, it chimes very much with Engage for Success movement, first of our four enablers, which is around having um, a visible and empowering leaders who can tell a a strong strategic narrative about the organization, you know, where it's come from and where it's going, which is essentially purpose. And, you know, I, I totally get that. And, and certainly one of our largest UK businesses, Unilever, um, is actually talking a very good game and actually delivering a very good game, I have to say, about making sure that the brands yeah. that invest in are ones that have a strong social purpose and a, a, a delivering good for the communities of employees, the communities of customers and everything else. My question to you, which is the, you know, the billion dollar question, how do you stop organizations who on the one hand will buy into this purpose and say, yep, get that. I, you know, I'm, I'm seeing the, the value of this. How do you stop them being sidetracked when the shareholders returns are, are not looking so good or the sales figures are not looking so good you know how do you how do you stop that that venn diagram of two two separate circles you know what do you what what do you do to persuade a leadership team that this is something that isn't just for sunny days you know, how do you do that well that's a great question because it's pressure all leaders are under to perform or or to be quite frankly shown the door um yeah in our experience you know, I think, you know, what we would suggest is that you would go back to and, and double down on purpose and really look at the, the experience of those you're trying to serve and do it even better. You know, I think it's, it's tied to customer a lot, too. And so, so many times your purpose or your user is tied to customer. And so, I, I just think that we have seen is you might just not have it quite right in terms of what is being most valuable to, to the people you have the noble privilege to serve. And and I think um, where we can find examples of the changes that, that clients have made in the light of this sort of, uh, this sort of uh, you know, just the, the competition or, or the decline or whatever it might be, you know, mm -hmm. they're just not sure what to do, Joe. So I guess the question, the answer, the simplest answer is when purpose is at your core and your performance is less than, how do you make sure that you don't go back to putting purpose on the shelf but you redouble your efforts to make sure the way we're serving in light of our purpose is really hitting the mark. And mm -hmm. examples of, of companies that have done that would probably be the first place we would go to show how they, they changed what they did without abandoning the purpose versus changed what they did with putting it on hold. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe the, the, the other way to, in, in, in many ways, reframe it is, because we're sort of in this in-between time, right? But I think we want to be really clear on it and be really clear on the, the, the impact it has on your customers right, first, mm -hmm. and then ultimately on your organization, because what we're seeing from a trend standpoint that 
customers are much more discerning on whether an organization is authentically focused on their purpose and whether they really mean it, and they start buying based on, on, on that behavior. Um, yes. And then second, from an investor standpoint, I think to be transparent and clear, too, because the reality is what kind of investor are you attracting, right? And, and are you attracting an investor who believes in the long-term performance of the business um, and, and, and ultimately that what you're pursuing, you know, isn't it, there's quarterly to quarterly fluctuations, but in terms of there's a long-term vision where purpose is at its core. And, uh, and, and that says easy does hard because every leader we work with has to balance to some degree short-term results and long-term results, and it's not an absolute. But, mm-hmm. but to have the conviction to be committed to that, uh, even if it means you're going to take a little bit of heat uh, and you attract the right customers and you attract the right uh, investors and, quite frankly, the right employees, is, mm. is the best way to, to, to long-term prosperity, right? How do you make sure the company thrives for five or ten years and not just for, for, for hopefully good quarters and then your successor can figure out the mess you left behind? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm, I, it's interesting you, you talking about customer. I think certainly from my experience, um, the leadership teams will very often be much more inclined to sit up and take notice about issues of people and issues of engagement and employee engagement if you can actually demonstrate the, the link between customer experience, customer loyalty, customer satisfaction, and what you're doing internally. So, um, yeah, tying that, yeah, tying that purpose to customer is, 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 is obviously very key. Okay. All right. So, um, goodness, we are, I can't believe how quickly time flies. Let's, let's move on to another one of our blind spots then. Who wants to, who wants to pick that one up? Sure, um, you know, uh, certainly let's go to uh, to, to story, right? Maybe we can get to, to two or three of them, and then obviously if folks want to want to follow up or read more about them, they, they, they certainly can. But but another blind spot we found with, uh, with 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 leaders is that they they often believe that they have a compelling story to tell mm-hmm. that their people care about, where mm-hmm. where in reality they they really don't, right? And uh, and and they haven't made the connection, and and you know. And, and we've run into this dozens and dozens of times. You know, not, not too long ago, I was actually I was working with a, a global financial services organization, about 15,000 people. They were working on strategy for um, and, uh, uh, you know several months, but then we had two days together. And then uh, um, uh, you know the, the we we had two hours at the end, and we said we broke them into three groups, and we said, hey, uh, listen, you're going to have 45 minutes to craft a story. You're going to be able to present it for three to five minutes. Assuming at all 15,000 people, and uh, and uh, you'll present back to the chairman and CEO. And when they did, we're halfway through the second story, um, he, he leaned over to me and he said, "You know, holy cow, these stories are absolutely terrible, right? I I would not get out of the bed in the I would not get out of bed in the morning to to be a part of this organization." Now this is 14 right. or 15 of the brightest of the 15,000 with all the possible degrees you could imagine from the best schools, right? And and uh, okay. the, 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 the reality is, is that we often have huge gaps um, between the story that we think we tell and the story that we actually tell. And we use big buzzwords that we've got taught in MBA programs or whatever schools we went to, but we don't emotionally connect with our people, right? And, mm-hmm. uh, um, and that is a big breakdown to really get them engaged at, at scale. And, and, and there's a couple of things. One is the quality of our story itself. Um, the, the second is we find that leaders often have a lack of shared meaning around their story, right? So we, we ask them, you talked about customer experience or whatever else, and, and uh, they'll say that, 
uh, yeah, we're fully aligned on this. And then we start getting into detail on what the, 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 the story and the strategy actually means and the manifestation of it, and we find that they're all over the place, right? The, the example we often use, we'll, we'll be in a room and we'll say, what does the word bear mean? And then somebody will say grizzly bear or brown bear, uh, and somebody will say bear aspirin or whatever else. And it's just one illustration of the difference between common words and shared meaning. And a great story mm -hmm. is crisp, but you also have shared meaning at the leader level and ultimately within the larger organization. And we find that the lack of compelling and aligned story that leaders share and that the organization embraces so people can connect their job, their role to the larger purpose and the strategy of the organization is something that gets underinvested, underestimated, and done very poorly. And it leads to disengagement, it leads to communication breakdowns, it leads to silos and all those things we often see in companies. Mm. Uh, I, I love, I love, it's, I love it's the big deal. I love the point you're making about emotional engagement. I mean, I think so it, it totally um, plays to everything that, that, um, that I try and do and believe in. And, um, you know, so unfortunately, so often people will tell a, a rational story rammed with jargon and acronyms and business speak <laughs> and as you say buzzwords and they forget that we are all human beings and we engage with things emotionally and it's that emotional engagement which drives our behavior and encourages us to get out of bed in the morning and um, want to actually get out of bed in the morning isn't it really so yeah I, I couldn't agree with you more I mean it's interesting I, purpose and story I, I'm interested that you sort of separate them as two two different things do you do you see them as, as mutually feeding into each other though absolutely and i think in many ways all these five blind spots are sort of a, an interconnected piece in many ways but mm -hmm. but one way mm -hmm. to think of, of purpose it's it's one of the key headlines to your story right people often have a purpose and they have a, a vision or something along those lines and while these things are not must most organizations have them and in many ways, those need to be compelling headlines of your story, but they can't be your whole story, right? And I, I can't tell you how many companies we've worked with where they might have a purpose statement and a vision statement, and after that, it becomes a bunch of jargon again and a bunch of strategic bullet points that people can't connect with, right? So when we talk yeah. about narrative and story that you're going to tell, view the purpose as a headline of your story, but it's just that, right? A, a good story might be a narrative that's two or three pages, and now you just have the headline. Now you have to bring that purpose to life. What does that really mean as we think about our strategy and the story of our business? And this is where we really see organizations struggle, and specifically leaders struggle to do a good job of doing that in a way that they, to your point, emotionally connect with the employee. Because in the end, the, uh, if, you, if you can't get to the heart, you won't get to the mind, right? The mind no, won't follow absolutely. if you can't get to the heart. And, and leaders forget to do that way yes, too often. Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to write that one down as well if you can't get to the – to the heart you won't get to the mind i mean that is absolutely absolutely right I, I going back to your chicken story at the beginning about the um the the fact that the they worked on the organizational purpose but that they then they then were able to explain it as a team purpose and then they then aligned that with someone's personal purpose um i think you know you need to you need to be able to do that with the story too don't you, you need your leadership to be able to tell a compelling story but you need the line managers and team leaders to be able to make that story compelling in their area and individuals need to be able to tell that compelling story from their own point of view too so again they it's absolutely crucial isn't it at every stage of the game absolutely it's essential it's one of the and once again it's one of those things that often gets you know we, we see uh 
organizations spending millions of dollars um, or months and months developing a strategy, and then it gets trapped in a 147-page PowerPoint deck that about 12 <laughs> people can truly decipher, right? But, but in the yeah. end, it's the story of what's in there and how you reach the dozens, hundreds, thousands, or tens of thousands of people that you have that ultimately makes the difference between whether that stuff goes anywhere or not. And the energy mm -hmm. that goes into that part of the process tends to be so disproportionately small relative to the creation part that it's really, it's, it's one of those leadership beliefs and blind spots that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense where I think with the benefit of hindsight, we'll look back 20 years and go, I can't believe we thought that was a normal practice, right? Six months of strategy development, and then we put a webcast out there and we wonder why nothing changes, right? It just, it just doesn't work. And we don't yeah. do it in our personal lives, Joe. So when you think of it, you know, you know there's, there's more drama and excitement um, in our businesses and mm -hmm. our organizations than there is in some of the, the re reality TV shows or some of the best movies. We just dumb it yes. down. I mean, who would ever think about taking their, their son or daughter or grandson or daughter to bed and saying, let me show you my PowerPoint? You know, they don't say that. They say, let me read you a story. And, and, and the story is an adventure. And I think yes. all of our organizations have amazing adventures that somehow we suffocate and, or we don't mm. liberate. And, and the ability to do that changes the way that people show up. It changes the way that they interact. And it changes the way that they commit. And so mm. that's part mm. of what we need to, to challenge and change in the way we lead our organizations. Mm. And do you think that one of the blind spots is that um, whereas um, leadership teams will recognize that in order to tell this story or uh, to articulate their purpose to their external audiences through their advertising campaigns and marketing, they know they need professional help because you would never get a CEO writing their own ad campaign. When it comes to actually articulating all of this to their employees, they somehow think that they can do it themselves or they think that people do. <laughs> Take it for granted. Yeah. Just, it. You know, it's just an internal audience. Um, I'm being well, a little I, cynical there, but, you know. Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, the way to really think about this is um, as leaders, we have to view our employees as the customers of the strategy, right? And so, mm -hmm. so just like you have a new product, you would say, you do focus groups, you'd figure out, okay, well, how will they adopt it? How will they buy it? How do I get to, to, to the need that they're, 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 um, they're ultimately trying to solve for themselves? But our employees often, we just kind of sort of shove it down their throat and have the expectation, well, I'm paying them, therefore they must now do. And you, you have yeah. the right to do that. It's just not very effective. If we view them as the customer of the strategy that, where are they at? How do I connect with them on it? How do I make this meaningful and how can they activate? If we view them as customers of our strategy, I think it, it puts a different lens on the whole thing. I, I, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Okay. We've got um, just over three minutes left. Let's go on to number three. Which, what, which one's it going to be? Well, I think the third one we'd like to talk about is truth. So mm -hmm. the blind spot is my people feel safe telling me what they really think and feel. And right. we find that after working with all the companies we have, that truth-telling is not a core competency in, in, in any organization. And so people do not feel safe saying what they truly think and feel. As a matter of fact, senior leaders on the senior team do not feel that it's safe to tell each other what they truly think and feel. So what you really have to begin to think about as a leader is, you know, how do I find a way to bring psychological safety to the conversations about the realities or the truth 
that we must address individually and collectively. And so you have to do that differently. You have to be publicly vulnerable. You have to take some risks. You have to make it clear that there, there's that one, you care, and two, there are no repercussions that are going to happen because you say something that might be offensive. And Joe, you know, we've, we've actually taken to a, an interesting way of doing this. Um, you know, there's, there's somebody that's in 1,900 newspapers around the world, and his name is Dilbert. And what Dilbert does is he's able to capture the emotional feeling that people have in the workplace. And there, people hang them up in their cubicles, they put them in their, their desks, they do all kinds of things because... They, they, there's a certain resonance to them that this is exactly it. And so we find ways to sort of draw cartoons of all the things people didn't think it was safe to talk about, then allow them to talk about them in terms of what are the real realities here that are constraints to our success, and then how have we all contributed to them, and then how are we going to address them going forward. But it's an extraordinary effort to create the safety so that people really do rise to the occasion, and we find that that, that that happens. As a matter of fact, some organizations begin to tell themselves the truth about where they're at that they haven't told them before. I, we, had a, we had a home building company that said, you know, in our 24 divisions, we don't know the difference between good or lucky because we don't probe the business for performance. Or we had a restaurant company that said, we don't trust our people. We'll make the right decisions for our customers. Um, and so we operate by telling them what to do versus asking them to sort of bring their own care and discretion to the table. And all of these abilities to tell yourself the truth create a whole new energy around people bringing their ideas, their creativity, and their judgment to the workplace. And, uh, but first and foremost, you have to step back and make it psychologically safe for us to really tell each other what we think and feel. And it's it's a rare company that does that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, we have come to the end of our show. Um, Jim, Rich, thank you so much. Um, We've talked about purpose. We've talked about story. We've talked about truth. Um, We're going to have to get you back to talk about trust and engagement on another occasion, but um, I'm sure you'd be very happy for people to follow up with you um, if they'd like to pursue any of those topics in in more detail. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. And Jim and Rich, thank you very much for joining. And all that remains is for me to say thank you and good night. Thank you. Engage for Success Radio. Raising the profile of employee engagement and shining a light on good practice for people who believe there's a better way to work. We should just do that.